Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Welcome back, Phoebe. It's been Welcome a few back. weeks. Since it's we been a long time. It feels like ages. We recorded, yes, yes. A busy summer. Busy summer, busy yeah. few weeks. You've been here, there and everywhere, haven't you? Yes, and, um, as ever. We had a little trip to Cornwall. That sounds good. Toby nice surfing. Doing Toby did some job. surfing. Surfing. Yeah. Like proper an... stand-up in the sea surfing. <laughs> yeah. I had COVID. You had COVID, which <laughs> thankfully you're better from. Yeah, in the, that was during the second heat wave. So that was uh, sort of middle of August. Yeah, when we were in Cornwall. <laughs> Went to see the ABBA concert. Oh, my yeah. goodness. If you haven't had an opportunity to go, it certainly is spectacular <laughs> and mind-blowingly clever. It's on my list of things to do yeah, at some that, point. That, that was so good. We went to see Jeremy Jordan. We did. Which was yeah. a lovely little trip down to London. That was a good trip, yeah. And spectacular trip. concert, yes. Mm-hmm. Toby started school. Toby so, started school. That's, uh, that's I'm a school mom now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he's been there nearly two weeks and loving it, which is great. Yeah, the baby started eating food. So it's and there's been, a tooth uh, on the way. There's a tooth. Yeah, it's kind of cutting through at the bottom. You can feel it, like the raggedy top bit of it. Wow. So um, it's all changed. Yeah. And we had a very sad loss over the summer in that our little podcasting buddy, Tabitha, very unexpectedly died. So she's not here with us anymore. No, she used to turn up most recordings, didn't she? Jump up on you. She did come and (laughs) sit on me, nuzzle the microphone. (laughs) Enormous fluffy tail around your Huge tail, yeah. (laughs) Smashing her head against the microphone there's been lots of uh, recordings we had to stop so i could let her out of the door when yeah. she was like scratching it to get out <laughs> yeah but yeah. yes and you have yeah, a yeah, new no. you have a new recording space as well and i've got a new a new office yes brand new office which is very exciting thanks to uh some hard work from you and richard over the last few weekends yeah well i'm glad it's come together it's been quite a momentous uh few weeks since we last recorded really it has and then uh just a week ago today, we had the extremely sad news that our Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, passed away. Yes. At the moment, the country is in a state of mourning. I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole process of the changeover of monarch. It's it's it, the speed of it. Just like, yeah. literally, right, right, she's dead, he's in, go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. It's been crazy how quickly... They've yeah. done it. And... They proclaimed him on Saturday. That was, yeah. This is all stuff that pretty much all of our audience, I would, not yeah. all of them, some of them will have seen a previous king and, well, the transition to the queen 70 yeah. years ago, but uh, probably most of us have never experienced seeing that before. No. And, well, none of us would have seen the kind of the proclamation and that no. stuff they did with the privy councillors because that didn't. It, it's never happened on camera before, oh. has it? So, oh. um, yeah, uh, it's been, it's definitely been historic and it's been, it's felt like we were kind of witnessing history. Yeah. But I can't shake this feeling that everything just feels a little bit like shaky, <laughs> like a new prime minister and a new king in one yeah. week in the middle I, of everything else. Within 48 hours, on. yeah, within 48 yeah. hours, we had a new prime minister and a new monarch. That's, 
It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, sad times, but sad she times. was a very old lady who'd had long and seemingly healthy life up until Absolutely. the end. Yeah, an amazing went... party back in the summer, just yeah. three three months ago, really, when uh, yeah. it was the Jubilee parties. Yes. So, yes, it's been a busy summer, and uh, and here we are with Daddy Daughter to Do Death. Back into my favourite time of year. Autumn, pretty Autumn. much. Got my pumpkin candles out. We're good to go. So light your candles, snuggle up and listen to episode 65 of Dad and Daughter Do Death, where tonight, Phoebe, I'm going to tell you the story of Archibald Hall, who okay. changed his name to Roy Fontaine. Okay. So what should we call him, Roy or Archie? As as most of the time he goes by the name of Roy Fontaine. I'll, I'll stick with that, I think. Okay. <laughs> So, Roy Fontaine, who was born Archibald Hall, <laughs> in Glasgow in 1924, he started stealing when he was just 15, and he received his first prison sentence in 1941 at the age of 17. Wow. But he used the profits of his burglaries to move to London. Now, Hollywood and its stars really fascinated him, and inspired by Joan Fontaine in Alfred Hitchcock's film Rebecca, Archibald Hall changed his name to Fontaine, Roy Fontaine. Okay. Not quite sure why Roy, but that's the name he went by for the rest (laughs) of his life. Archibald Fontaine sounds so much more exciting than Roy (laughs) Roy Fontaine. Fontaine. Yeah. Anyway, he had a very short-lived marriage, and he discovered that he was bisexual, quite openly so. And while in London, he embarked on a string of affairs with with men. Okay. Um, London's celebrity gay scene at the time, which was extremely underground, given that this was sort of the 40s and 50s. It was illegal. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> welcomed the handsome and charming Glaswegian with open arms, and Fontaine claimed to have had sexual relationships with both Lord Boothby and okay. the playwright Terence Rattigan. No way. Now, later on in his life, he did actually write a memoir in which he said that the great love of his life was a fellow convict from Hull Prison <laughs> named David Barnard, who actually died in a car crash in 1974. Oh, no. In between socialising with London's elite, his contracts or burglaries would catch up with him and he'd spend more time in prison. So he was one of these career criminals who mm-hmm. perhaps wasn't very good at it. He was in and out of prison all the time. During one quite lengthy sentence for theft, he set about refining everything about himself so that he could pass off without suspicion amongst the English aristocracy. He eradicated all traces of his Glaswegian accent, studied social etiquette, and became a self-taught authority on antiques. There you go. After one of his spells in prison in 1977, when he was released that, that year, he found employment as a butler to Lady Margaret Hudson okay. at Kirtleton House in Dumfrieshire. So... Back in Scotland. Back to Scotland. Back to Scotland. And he had an on and off relationship with a prostitute called Mary Coggle. 
She was <laughs> from Northern Ireland and sometimes went by the name of Belfast Mary. Nice. <laughs> I'm assuming they didn't do like a background check before he went to <laughs> work in this house. <laughs> Probably not. Who knows? I mean, DBSs didn't exist like they do today. They didn't, no. Margaret Hudson was actually the dowager widow of Sir Austin Hudson, a first baronet and had been a Conservative Member of Parliament. After being successful in getting employment with Margaret Hudson, Fontaine had initially planned to steal all her valuables. Okay. But he realised that he really quite liked her and he really enjoyed the job. So he didn't. He just um, carried on buttling and, yeah. and, and living quite a yeah, respectable life, doing what he tried to do to improve himself, get a decent job and do something that he enjoyed. By July 1977, he was happy to sort of go straight in that respect. But Fontaine was shocked when an ex-cellmate from Hull Prison and another former lover, who was called Dave Wright, showed up. Lady Hudson employed the 30-year-old David Wright as a gamekeeper and gardener around the stately home. But he stole some of her silver and threatened to tell her about Fontaine's past. Oh, no. So Fontaine wasn't very happy about this, and they had a bit of an altercation. Okay. And Roy Fontaine suggested to David Wright that perhaps they should reconcile their differences and, hey, let's go do some rabbit hunting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's the middle of the summer. Let's go out into the estate, the thousands of acres or whatever she got up there in Dumfriesshire, and shoot some rabbits. However, Roy Fontaine had a very different motive for the hunting trip. And after making sure that Wright's gun was unloaded, he shot David Wright in the back of the head and buried the body under boulders in the middle of a stream. Oh, wow. Okay. He actually like, dug a shallow grave under the water. No you know, way. With rocks and boulders and things. I mean, you, you just wouldn't go out hunting with somebody that you'd had a bit of a fight with a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that you've both been in prison, knowing your background. Yeah. You're going out into the middle of nowhere with guns. Doesn't sound like the smartest, uh, the smartest way to spend your time. No, no. So with that, something in him snapped and he had a newfound taste for blood. And Fontaine gave up the idea of living an honest life and he sort of regressed into his (laughs) criminal ways. And in November 1977, he moved back to London where he rekindled his relationship with Mary Coggle. Okay. He got a job working as a butler to a wealthy antique collector and ex-Labour MP, Walter Scott Elliot, and his wife, Dorothy Scott Elliot. Now, he planned to extort them, and this time he was going to go through with it. And he asked another acquaintance of his, another crook called Michael Kitto, to help. While showing Keto around the couple's home, the Scott Elliots returned unexpectedly. Mm-mm. The first thing they did was they put their hand over the mouth and nose of Dorothy Scott Elliot and basically suffocated her to death. Oh, no. They then somehow rather managed to drug her 82-year-old husband with whiskey and sleeping pills. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how they did that. 
Yeah. Because... <laughs> we just killed your wife. Have a whiskey. <laughs> yeah, and some sleeping pills. <laughs> but, I guess you could yeah. have crushed them in. <laughs> but nevertheless, they um, they did manage to subdue him and, and drug him. Okay. Fontaine managed to get Mary Coggle involved in this. And some reports I've read say that she actually worked at the house as well. So maybe he was the butler and she was the housekeeper. There's, there's that sort of explanation for why she's on the scene. But basically, she comes on the scene as well. And okay. she is persuaded to pose as Mrs. Scott Elliott by putting on a wig and wearing some of her clothes. That always she, goes well. They put the dead woman's body in the boot of a car and they set off for a 400-mile journey to Scotland. So in the car is Dorothy Scott Elliot, dead in the boot. Yeah. <laughs> Her husband, who is drugged and sedated with whiskey and sleeping pills. Michael Kitto, together with Roy Fontaine and Mary Coggle. Oh, wow. And they're That's, driving uh, up quite, to Scotland. Quite crowded in there. From London, yeah. <laughs> To get rid of the body. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Eventually, they got to Scotland and they dumped the body of Mrs. Scott Elliot in a ditch by the side of a quiet road in Braco, Perthshire. They did all that while still managing to keep her husband sedated. Wow. <laughs> um, and they drove a little bit further on and then they beat him to death with a spade. <gasps> oh, God. And buried him in a remote spot near Glen Affric, right up in Inverness. So that was, you know, I mean, it's so high up in Scotland. Yeah. It certainly had gone a long way. What year was this, sorry? 1977. 77, okay. Yeah, so this was like November, December 1977 when, okay. when this happened. The following day, the three of them were driving back to England. So that's Michael Keto. Roy Fontaine and Mary Coggle, mm-hmm. when a bit of an argument broke out between them. Mary okay. Coggle wanted to keep Mrs. Scott Elliott's mink coat and some of her other fine things that she'd been wearing. But the men wanted all of the evidence got rid of, destroyed, whatever. Okay. But uh, Mary Coggle was making a bit of a fuss about all this. So the easiest thing to do was to get rid of her as well. Oh, no, Mary. So during a, a stopover uh, on their way back, Fontaine hit Mary Coggle over the head with a poker and suffocated her with a plastic bag oh, no. before dumping her in a stream in Dumfrieshire. It didn't take them long to fall out with her, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. After having dumped Mary Coggle's body, the two men headed for a family house that the Fontaine family had in Cumbria on their way back to London, only to find that Fontaine's half-brother, Donald, was there, who himself had been released from prison just three days earlier. Oh, wow. Quite a family. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Donald was showing a little bit too much interest in what Fontaine and Kitto had been up to. So with this newfound enjoyment of killing people and the fact that killing had almost become second nature to uh, to Fontaine after all this. Roy Fontaine got a rag with chloroform on it. Where do you get chloroform from? Is it something that people just have? Just have it, yeah. (laughs) It's part of the like serial killer starter kit that you get when you sign up to be a serial killer. (laughs) 
He got a chloroform soap rag, put it over Donald's face, and when he was unconscious, drowned him in the bath. His so, own brother. <laughs> well, half brother, who he didn't half really brother. like anyway. Okay, so, but still. <laughs> yeah. And again, they decided that they needed to dispose of yet another body, and this was now Fontaine's fifth. Wow! <laughs> With the he's, bloke in the stream, he's clocking them up. The the two Scott Elliots, Mary Coggle, and now Donald, brother wow. Donald. Poor Donald. So there they were. They decided to go back to their favourite body dumping ground of Scotland. The two of them had got things that they'd stolen from the Scott Elliots, and they decided they needed to sell some of the stuff that they'd looted. And they uh, went to an antiques dealer to try and get rid of some of the stuff. And the antiques dealer got suspicious when they offered him china and silverware for a figure which was well below its actual worth. Mm, okay. He thought, this is a bit strange. And he saw the car that they had uh, got got out of and got back into it. He wrote down the number plate and he told the police about it. Okay. The police followed up on this and discovered that it belonged to Walter Scott Elliot. Mm. And now they went to the Scott Elliot's property in London to find that the walls were spattered with blood and a lot of valuables had been stolen. Mm-mm. The china, the silver, jewellery, a lot of stuff had been looted. Mm-mm. So by this stage, we're in the beginning part of the new year of 1978. Okay. Mary Coggle's body was found on Christmas Day by a shepherd. Oh, no. And knowing that Mary Coggle had once worked for the Scott Elliots as a housekeeper. Okay. The police began to wonder whether or not her murder was in some way connected to all the, the blood and the sight of Looting some and... violent crime that had happened in, in London. Yeah. Now, while driving Donald's body north, Fontaine and Kitto stopped at a hotel in North Berwick for the night when the weather got too bad to continue. The snow okay. was coming down. They couldn't see where they were going. And they uh, they they decided to stay in this little hotel they found. The owner became very suspicious of the two guests because of the way they were behaving. And he called the police. And during a routine check, the police found Donald Paul's body in the boot of the car. Oh, my God. So now the police have found the car that the antique dealer had spotted. They've tied it to the Scott Elliott's disappearance with a lot of blood and stuff missing. Shepard has already reported that they've found Mary Coggle's body. They've got Donald's body in the <laughs> in the car. And the police have got Kito and Roy Fontaine cornered in the hotel. Wow, okay. Well, I think Quito was pretty much arrested straight away, but Fontaine managed to escape out of a toilet window and he got quite a few miles away before he was stopped at a police roadblock. No way. he was on foot, I should imagine. Yeah. I don't know, but, uh, he wouldn't be able to drive the car, would he? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Roy Fontaine actually tried to commit suicide on the 18th of January 1978 to try and get out of all of this, but oh, wow, okay. he failed and then he helped the police search for Mr. Scott Elliott's body on the Highlands. They found him, 
The body had been chewed by foxes and it was underneath bushes and things. And days later, they found the body of David Wright, who's in the uh, stream, stream at the first place that he worked as a butler. And shortly after that, Mrs. Scott Elliott's body was found face down in a roadside ditch about 100 miles from where her husband's corpse had been uncovered. Oh, my goodness. They got around a bit. They did, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I suppose. Desperate times. Yeah. <laughs> so there they go. Kitto and Fontaine were very much arrested. Roy Fontaine's trial started in May 1978 in Edinburgh. Oh. Okay. Fontaine was described as a psychopath, mm. uh, but he made a full confession of the five murders. Now, the okay. Scottish court sentenced him to life imprisonment. He was actually charged with four of the murders and given four life sentences. Okay. The fifth one, which was actually Dorothy Scott Elliott's, hmm. it's, it's, it says in my research that the case remains open. Okay. Now, whether or not they, it was David Kitto that did that one and not him. Right. Uh, not entirely sure because it was whoever it was that suffocated her at the time. Yeah. Uh, so he was in, uh, he was put in prison in 1978. He attempted suicide several times. In 1999, he wrote his autobiography, A Perfect Gentleman. Wow. <laughs> and in his autobiography, he writes, There is a side of me when aroused that is cold and completely heartless. So that's not scary. <laughs> no. <laughs> At least he recognizes it, but. Yeah. but was a psychopath. He is that what, um, schizophrenic as well, by the sounds of things. Mm. So we can switch between a. Well, I think generally he was a bad one, wasn't he? By the number yeah. of times he was in and out of prison, and uh, yeah. then eventually discovered murder. Yeah, I think he um, was just a, a bad man. <laughs> yeah, just a bad man. So, uh, yeah. In 2002, he died in prison at the age of 78, and he was in Kingston Prison, Portsmouth. At the time. Wow. So I'm not entirely sure what happened to uh, Michael Kitto. Presumably he was put in prison as well. You'd but assume so, yeah. That is the story of Roy Fontaine, who wow. uh, trained himself to become a butler. Evidently, he could have been quite good at it if the dark side hadn't overtaken. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He, started, he killed his clients. <laughs> he, some of them, yeah. <laughs> And his old cellmates and his uh, one of his ex-lovers as well. Quite wow. a character. Yeah. Quite a character. Well, thank you for that story. Was no, a, you're uh, welcome. It's interesting, isn't it? Quite a, yeah, a, a romp around the country. <laughs> London was. and Scotland and yeah. lots of parts of Scotland. <laughs> Very much so. Are there some photos? Yes, there's a few. Not many, actually. There's, there okay. are pictures of Roy Fontaine himself. Yeah, look to find them, and I will put them on our social media pages. I will put them on Instagram. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. And I will put them on our Facebook page. Dad and Daughter Do Death. And if you'd like to contact us about this story or any of the others in our back catalogue of (laughs) Dad and Daughter Do Death stories, you can always email us. At dad and daughter do death at gmail.com. So you can use Facebook and Instagram to messages as well. So it'd be really good to hear from you. 
Yes. Well, thank you very much for that story. <laughs> it is good to be back. I will have something ready for you next week. Oh, I look forward to that very much, Phoebe. So join us next time. And once again, Dad. And daughter, do death.